If you would take out the Word of God and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 25 through 34 this morning. I do hope that this uh, quarantine doesn't last much longer, especially for the band's sake, because they can actually hear me sing now. And I'm sure that it is throwing them off key and messing uh, what they're doing up uh, greatly. And so uh, it's just so hard to, uh, uh, as you think about the words that we were singing, uh, this king who is worthy, this king who will make all things new, the one, only one who is worthy to govern and control human history and open the seals, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is also this sure and steady anchor in this extremely difficult time in all of our lives. Uh, we we cling to him and it, it's so hard not to uh, express with great joy um, who Christ is and what he is doing for us, even in these moments. Um, as I told you last week, we are beginning a new sermon series, Witnesses in Quarantine. And what I want to do during this time is equip us to live as witnesses, those who declare Jesus is King and Lord in this specific circumstance, in this time of difficulty and crisis that we're all enduring Hopefully to equip you to live out the gospel during this time, to, to, to increase and strengthen our faith uh, as witnesses in Christ during this time. This time is not to be wasted. Uh, this is not some sort of parenthesis on your spiritual growth. God is still using this time to grow you and you need the word of God to grow in your faith and your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ so that your hope during this time only increases. And today we're going to talk about the issue of worry. And we're going to do so from Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25. If you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's perfect word. We, we recognize no matter where we are in our living rooms. Wherever we are. Purdy's parking lot. Get out of your car. Stand in reverence to the reading of God's perfect word at this time. Matthew chapter 26 or Matthew chapter five, beginning Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed, arrayed like one of these, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first. Seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Oh God, we need this word. God, we need to be reminded of your great goodness to us in Jesus Christ. God, it is audacious that you would tell us not to worry in such a moment. And yet that's the gospel. It's scandalous and it's audacious. And during our most difficult moments, our hardest times, you can tell us as your children, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Would we be witnesses of the gospel by fighting worry? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Over the last several weeks, it's no... um, Surprised that we have learned so much about an invisible enemy. Uh, We find out more about this enemy every time we pick up our phone and we refresh stats about an infection on the Internet. We see this enemy as we track death stats of all things from China, South Korea, Italy, and now in the different states in the U.S., and we are, we're personally affected by this enemy as we read headlines and we do our own personal research about predictions and charts and we, we watch curves and, and, and we engage this enemy when ethicists or economists or epidemiologists and, and even Joe in his mom's basement begin to talk about the coronavirus. But the enemy I'm talking about is not the coronavirus. The enemy that we are affected by, the enemy that we are coming to know so well, the the enemy that has invaded our lives, invaded the world around us, this enemy is not COVID-19, it's worry, it's anxiety. And this is the very enemy that has stolen more from us in the last two to three to four weeks than any other enemy. It is anxiety. And anxiety, whether we realize it or not, it actually finds its roots in reality. In something that's very true. Anxiety just doesn't come from the stats or the headlines that we're reading. Anxiety is rooted in the reality that I really have no security in and of myself in this moment. Anxiety is rooted in the truth that that I don't control the future and that I don't know what's going to happen next. That's where anxiety begins with us coming to terms with that truth, with those realities that I'm not in control, that, that at the end of the day, I'm somewhat weak and insecure if I just want to tell the truth about the situation. And what we're going through right now is revealing those truths to us, that we're small, 
that we're weak, that in and of ourselves we can provide no security for what we have, that we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, that we don't know the future in and of ourselves. We can't figure it out by ourselves. And this crisis is revealing all of that to us. And then from these truths, here's where anxiety begins to grow. We, instead of thinking about the truth that Jesus has revealed to us, we began to imagine the worst possible case scenario for ourselves. And from those roots, anxiety begins to come forth. And we began to study and we began to meditate on the absolute worst case scenario for myself, for my family, for the world around me. And before we know it, we are wasting all of this mental and emotional energy and anxiety. This enemy begins to take hold in our life and it begins to destroy us. It begins to take away more things from our life than any virus ever could. And yet Jesus has a word for us. I'm sure after the last several weeks, you are worried. You're worried about our country, the world. You're worried about your finances. You're worried about your children. You're worried about your plans. You're worried about what the world is going to look like when this is all over. Well, Jesus says this to us in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Jesus says, in light of everything I've taught you about the kingdom, that, that Jesus himself is the presence of the kingdom. And when you follow him, you inherit the kingdom of God. You become a child of God. You become an heir of the kingdom. And you begin to order your life around the kingdom. Therefore, having order, ordering your life around the kingdom, having the kingdom, I tell you, do not be anxious. Don't be nervous. Don't, don't be driven by your imagination that is churning the worst case scenario. Don't, don't be driven by that. Don't be anxious about your life. Living and breathing. The essentials of life. The most basic things that come with life. Don't be anxious about your existence. What you will drink. Or about your body. What you'll put on it. And then he says, is not life more than food? And, and the body more than clothing? But what he says is, don't be worried about existing Because you exist for more than your existence. There is something greater than just breathing. There is something greater than just being alive. There is something greater than just going through the basics of life. Having food and clothing. There is something greater than that. And that's what you focus on. Instead of being anxious, focus on what is more than life. He's going to tell us what that is. Notice first, he gives us an example of how not to be anxious. He says, be like a bird. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They don't gather into barns. But your heavenly father, he feeds them. And then he asks the question, are you not more valuable or more precious to your heavenly father than a bird? Birds, they get up every morning. 
and they go get their food. And they're not worried if it's going to be there. They wake up, they have another day, and by instinct, they fly out, they see grain, they see worms, and and they're not worried if they're going to eat. They, They by instinct know that there's going to be food for them day after day after day. Why? Because God has ordained it that way. And yet, what we're going to see here is God has ordained more for your life. And and He has ordained a greater purpose than just getting food for your life. So you should know He's going to give you food day after day after day. He says here, are you not more valuable or precious than a bird? Don't you have greater purpose than a flying rodent? Now, if you're a member of Ashland, you know we... We don't like birds, and so that may come through during the sermon. They fly around in our building. They, they, drop, they drop bombs in our building. I'll put it that way. Uh, Glenn, you probably don't want to come for a while. Let us clean the building up. It's bird season. But you have a greater purpose than a flying rodent. You are created to bring Glory to God by knowing Him and enjoying Him. So certainly God's going to give you food. Don't worry about food. And then He continues. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of your life? So He's going to, he's going to show us a point. Uh, uh, um, he's going to teach us a truth here. And it's this. God is the one who gives life. And God sustains life as long as He wants your life to go on. You don't do this anyway. And yet, when we are anxious, we are thinking, I'm adding something to my life. If I can just get alone to my thoughts, if I can just get alone to my feelings and worry, then I'm going to extend my life more. I'm going to come up through these worst case scenarios, a plan to add more moments to my life. And Jesus says, no, that that anxiety is doing nothing in terms of sustaining and adding to your life. Actually, we would say anxiety, it, it is spiritually, emotionally, mentally just spinning your wheels because you're not getting anywhere. You are wasting your thoughts. You are wasting that nervous energy. Anxiety is wasted energy. You're getting nowhere. Because you don't sustain your life. God does. And yet, this is the very reason so many of us are racked with fear. is because we are convinced we're sustaining our life. We convince ourselves that on a daily basis. I go to work. I go in an office. I sit down at a computer. And... and At my fingertips, I sustain my life. I respond to emails. I balance spreadsheets. I go out and I lift and I move things. And I get a paycheck for these things. And then I go home and I I take the card. And I swipe the card. I order the food. I, I, I provide the meals. I'm doing all of these things myself. The, the, the currency that I use It's something I provide for myself to stay alive. But the extent that you are convinced that you're doing that in and of yourself, and that by doing those things, you are sustaining your life, that will be to the extent you're anxious. 
Because you think it's you. You think you're the one that's sustaining your life and you're doing nothing. God is doing this for you. And yes, you should work hard and you should take great delight in serving God through your work. But you're not keeping yourself alive by doing those things. God is the one who sustains your life. And you can't add, he says here, one hour to your life through worry. But so often we think we're the one that's sustaining our life and adding more days to our life. That's why some of us run. That's why some of us lift. That's why some of us take vitamins. That's why some of us want to stay in the best shape we possibly can. Because if I can be in the best shape I possibly can, I'm going to live longer. Even in these days, we think when our health is in jeopardy, we can take a pill. And the effects of sickness, disease, and death in our bodies will just magically reverse. We even think in these days uh, about ventilators and tubes and vaccines as this magical, almost comic book things that are out there. That we're playing some video game and we can find those things. We all will stay alive longer. Well, the extent that you think that will be the extent that you worry. All those things are good. And all those things are gifts from God. But it is God who gives them. And it is God who sustains our life and adds to our life. And we should have realized that in this crisis. One little drop of mucus infected someone's body in East Asia. And this unseen enemy is wreaking havoc on the world. And the life that you thought you gave yourself, were giving yourself, sustaining for yourself, it's all of a sudden in jeopardy. And there's some goodness to that. Because what God is teaching us in these moments is you didn't have control over that anyway. He is the giver of life. And He sustains your life. And we should enjoy life. And we should live life to the fullest. But we always come back and say it's Him. He is the one who's sustaining us and keeping us alive. And so this week, I want you to fight worry this way. Fight worry by admitting you don't sustain your life anyway. Fight worry by remembering your days are numbered by God Himself. And you should live them to the fullest and live them to His glory. But He has numbered your days. He's the one who fearfully and wonderfully made you and gave you days. And and at best, those of us around here who live the longest, it'll be about 32,000 days. 32,000 days. God is the one who's numbered Every one of them. And He's the one who will keep you alive through every one of the days He has numbered for you. And and so tomorrow, live like a bird. Wake up in the morning and say, God gave me another day. So if He's given me another day, He's going to sustain me through this day for His glory. And I can trust Him. Birds aren't laying awake at night imagining the worst case scenario. Birds aren't hoarding toilet paper. They don't need it. Look around the floor in here. Birds just live the life God designed for them. And so live the life God has designed for you. Don't worry. God will sustain your life as long as He sees fit. Notice verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed arrayed like one of these. And if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, will he not clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Here, Jesus points to clothing. And in context, we might say that he mentions clothing or fashion as, as something that displays our outward glory. And he's saying here, don't worry about your outward glory. He's already warned us of that when he said you can't serve mammon, you can't serve stuff, and you can't serve God at the same time. You can't serve these outward things that give you glory, material things that display your glory. You can't serve those things. You can't serve fashion or clothing in this way. He's warned us. He says these things are temporary. Moths eat them. Rust destroys your outward glory, the things that you acquire for yourself and say, look at my glory. And and then he points to the flowers, lilies here. And he says, they don't they don't make their clothes. A, A lily doesn't think, man, I look sharp today. A, a, a lily is not even cognizant of those things. This inanimate object, impersonal thing. And yet God takes these things in the ground and He makes them beautiful. And He makes them glorious. But He says here, as glorious as they are, He even compares them to Solomon. And He says, on so- Solomon, the most wealthy man we know, Lived a very extravagant life. Wisest man we know. Was full of glory. Even on his best dressed day. He didn't even compare to a flower. And his point in all this. Is our outward temporary glory. It's fleeting. It's here today. And then it's gone tomorrow. It's like grass. That's thrown in a furnace. An oven. It's temporary. And he says here, if you're committed to this temporary glory, he says, oh, you of little faith, faith that's only momentary. You're only worried about the moment. And his point here is God will feed you and clothe you in the moment because you're created for more than the moment. You're created for eternal glory. You're not created for temporary glory that you can display before men. That's here today and it's gone tomorrow and it's burned. It doesn't even matter anymore. He says, no, you're created for something that matters forever. And he says, you worry about fashion because you have faith in the moment, not faith in God. We we do this our whole life. I, I need to have an appearance before men that makes them look at me and say, wow, you know, he's sharp. Wow, she's beautiful. Wow, just look at her. We do that even to our dying day. We've talked about this around here. Even when we go to funerals, we we look inside the casket and we look at one another and we say, wow, doesn't he look good? It's a corpse in a suit or a dress. And it's the same point that Jesus is proving here. It's a faded flower that, that you're trying to make pretty. And in the end, it goes away. And that's what commitment to this life looks like. It's fading. It's moving. It's rusting. You can't cling to it. But that is the source of most of our worry during this time. 
We are worried about temporary outward glory that a crisis is bringing into jeopardy. We're worried about our temporary glory. And God says, don't worry about that. No, God has given you something better, an eternal purpose. He's given you an eternal glory. And what God is doing right now as, as our temporary glories are being shaken and we're scared and we're fearful about what's going to happen to these things. No, God has given you something better and this is going to be a blip on the screen in light of eternity. Remember that. This is temporary. This crisis is like a lily that comes up and then fades away and is thrown into an oven and burned and you never think about it again. A million years from now, we're going to look back and this is temporary. And yet God has given us eternal glory. Notice, that's why he says, verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious. What shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? He says the Gentiles seek after these things. The, the unbelieving world. That's how Jesus uses the term Gentile here. Those who do not know God. They seek or lust after the temporary. They're worried about what they will eat. They're worried about what they will drink. They're worried about this outward glory. Why? Because they don't know anything else exists. And you've seen that in your life. You know people in the last few weeks who aren't Christians. And, and the things that they have been seeking after their whole life. Temporary things. Some of those things are good. Providing for their family. Those, those good things like retirement. Those good things like savings. Stock market begins to fall. It begins to go down. And, and their world is falling apart. Why? Because they thought that was all there was. They, they thought the temporary was all that mattered. And Jesus is saying that's the way an unbeliever lives. That's the way one without God thinks. And so if the temporary is being taken away, then what else is there? What, what else... What else matters? And he says here, notice, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. God knows every one of your temporary needs. What you need to eat, what you need to drink, what you need to wear, the amount of money you need in your bank account to survive. He knows all of those things. He knows what you need. And don't confuse that with want. Because that's how the Gentile lives. They are driven. The unbeliever is driven by the lust of the flesh in the moment. I need what I need now. And then we get what we need now and it's not enough. And then we can't protect it. It, it, it begins to rust. It begins to fade and we cling to it. To the extent you do that, you will worry. And the extent you do that, you're living like an unbeliever. And yet you have a father. Notice your heavenly father. The one who created the world and rules the world and has made you a son or a daughter in Jesus. He knows every one of your temporary needs and he will provide them for as long as you need them. Why? Because he is a father who cares for you. It's so significant here that Jesus over and over in this whole section, beginning in chapter five through chapter six, he refers to God as our father. My father is your father, Jesus says to us. And, and we know that through the cross. Jesus dies for our sins. Jesus pays the penalty for our sin. The Son 
is forsaken on the cross. Why? So you never have to be forsaken. And you are given His kingdom, His rights. You become a beloved son in Christ through His righteous life that He lived for you. And so Jesus can say to you today, our Father knows every one of your needs. And so this frees us up to fight worry with the kingdom. Notice verse 3. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. If, if God's going to feed you better than a bird, He's going to take care of you. And if your temporary glory is fading, you don't have to pursue your lust and your cravings for the moment, for what you can have now. You can look to eternity and then you can make sure that you're first seeking the kingdom of God. Notice, but instead of worry, instead of anxiety, instead of fretting over food, clothing, and life, seek first, first pursue, run after, be of first concern, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's the rule and reign of God in heaven, and it's the rule and reign of God that has come to earth. And we know that the kingdom of God has come to earth in Jesus. Jesus would say to us in flesh and blood as he walked and as he taught, as he performed miracles, the kingdom is at hand. And so we know the righteous rule and reign of God has come in Jesus Christ. And so when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what he's calling us to do here is seek Jesus first. And so... Don't worry about food, clothing, stuff, temporary stuff. No, seek the kingdom of God in Jesus first. Because in Jesus, you have way more than that temporary stuff. You have way more than what you need in the moment in Jesus. So make sure you seek Jesus first. His righteousness that we have seen displayed on the cross. Jesus dies for our sins because He is the only righteous one. If you were to die for your sin, it will be for eternity in hell. And it never ends. Because you're unrighteous. But Jesus is righteous, so He can die for your sin. And and Jesus lived a righteous life. And when you believe in Him, His righteousness is credited to you. And in the Bible, we, we learn of this glorious doctrine called justification. Which means by faith, when you believe in Jesus... His righteous death in life is credited to you as though you had never sinned and you have always obeyed. And what Jesus says here is seek that righteousness first. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious about now. Seek the eternal righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ. Believe in His cross. Believe in His resurrection. Hope in His eternal promise that is coming to you in an eternal kingdom where He will make all things new. All things will be made right in Jesus. Seek that kingdom first and foremost. And if you have that kingdom and righteousness, notice the text says all these things will be added to you. <laughs> Certainly. It's almost, it's almost sarcastically said here. If God is going to give you His kingdom in Jesus, He's going to feed you. He's given you so much more in Jesus. Why would He not take care of you now? Why would He not provide for you now? He's provided His Son forsaken on a cross for you. Enduring His wrath and judgment for your sin. God's eternal judgment. Everything that He would 
hate and loathe about you was poured out upon Jesus, His only Son. He suffered and He died for you. God has given His Son for you. Why would He not give you food? Why would He not give you what you need for life? Why would He not take care of you day after day after day? He's given you Jesus. He's given you the kingdom. And so church, fight worry this week by seeking the kingdom of God first. Knowing He's absolutely going to give you food. For as long as you need it. He's going to sustain your life. And you know what? When the priority is the kingdom of God, you begin to think less about the temporary stuff. When, you're, when your priority is the, the kingdom, you, you begin to say things like, you know, stocks are falling, but just give me enough resources to serve Jesus today. You stop worrying about what the graph's going to look like tomorrow because you're more concerned about today. You're more concerned about seeking the kingdom today. Just give me enough life today to serve Jesus. Andy's locking us in and spreading us out. And that frustrates us and we worry about that. And we think, when is that going to, to end? I want that to end. What's the worst case scenario? July, August, September, October. What, what's the worst? We begin to consume ourselves with those things. And, and we begin to worry. Seek first the kingdom where you are. If, if, if you're quarantined in your home, seek the kingdom there. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Seek the kingdom today. And you say, just give me enough space to talk about Jesus. Just give me enough room to talk about Jesus. Your neighbor can hear about Jesus six feet away. Talk about Jesus. Speak the gospel. Share the gospel. And you understand that you get more than enough in heaven. You, you worry about food. God has given you the bread of life in Jesus. He's given you everything you need in the gospel. And notice what he says here. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is the cycle we find ourselves in. Sunday, we worry about Monday. We get to Monday, nothing's changed because we're worrying about Tuesday. We get to Tuesday, nothing's changed because we're worrying about Wednesday. We get to Wednesday, nothing's changed because we're worrying about Thursday. We get to Thursday, nothing's changed because we're worrying about Friday. We get to Friday, nothing's changed because we're worried about Saturday. We get to Saturday, nothing's changed because we're worried about Sunday. And on and on and on and on. Tomorrow, there's going to be worry there for you. You're wasting today thinking something's going to be different tomorrow, and it's not. You're going to worry tomorrow. So seek the kingdom today. Quit worrying about tomorrow. Serve Jesus today. Fight worry, the worries of tomorrow by serving the kingdom today. Here's the truth. No mind on the planet knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody. Only God does. God is the only one who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So quit trying to figure it out. Quit, quit trying to... to to come up with your own plan, your own prediction for tomorrow. Only God knows. You're not going to Google it out. You're not going to Twitter it out. Stop. Stop worrying about it. And serve Jesus where you are. Anxiety for tomorrow steals God's glory for today. And so when you feel that imagination getting carried away and that 
wasted energy churning. Stop and seek the kingdom. Go encourage somebody else. Call somebody on the phone and pray for them. Go share the gospel with one of your kids. Go, go invest in a relationship with one of your neighbors as best you can in, in, in all of the guidelines. But let's not look back at this time and say, we wasted it all with worries. Every day in our homes with our screens, we worried, 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 worried. No, when God has given it to us to witness. And here's the truth. Fight worry this week by remembering in the kingdom your tomorrow has already been determined. It's already been determined. You don't have to worry about it. We're worried about our plans being canceled. What's going to happen with graduation? What's going to happen with the wedding? What's going to happen with the vacation? As those, those thoughts begin to creep in and that energy begins to move, stop and pray. And here's what I want you to pray this week. Every time you start worrying about the next few months, what's going to happen? How your plans are going to be changed. I want you to stop and I want you to ask Jesus to come. Just stop and say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And then imagine, instead of the worst case scenario, what if Jesus did come? And he found you praying for whatever event that is on your calendar. And, and, and you, you displayed that before Jesus. But I'm going to miss it. Oh, how does that compare with the coming of Christ, the kingdom of God coming to earth. How silly is it, the plans that you're worried about? What if Jesus did come back tomorrow? How silly would those things look? Pray for the return of Christ. Jesus, come quickly. And here's, here's the reality. Your hellish worst case scenario, what if it did come to pass? It's still not hell. And for the believer in Christ, Hell's not our end. And so the worst thing that could possibly happen to me has already happened to me on the cross. I've been forsaken by God. The worst case scenario has already happened at the cross. And so that frees me up to live for Christ now. Knowing that if I do die, oh, that's gain. That's better. If Jesus comes or I die, I, I have something better. My worst case scenario is better. Jesus died for my sins, and so I can live like dying is gain. There is an invisible in, in, enemy, and we must fight it, and it must be destroyed. And for those in Christ, we will win, and we will win big if we seek the kingdom first.